Reignite on RTE Radio 1 with AIB. It takes a certain kind of brave to run a business. We see it, we back it. Graham Clifford, founder of the Sanctuary Runners and the COVID-19 World Service, welcome to Reignite. Graham, we've talked a lot on Reignite about reinventions and squiggly careers. Mm. Talk to me a little bit about your own background up until around 2018. Yes, squiggly careers, that, that sums it up well, I think. Um, so I would have started off in broadcast journalism with Radio Kerry, uh, Onya, back in around the start of the, uh, the 2000s. And then I went on to work on radio in Australia. Did a lot of things with Aboriginal communities in uh, Western Australia. Came back to the UK then because my wife is English and worked with the BBC. I was sports editor of the Irish Post, worked with Sky Television for a bit and then started writing features for the Irish Independent, then the Irish Times, Sunday Business Post. I worked on the RTE uh, Drive Time programme on Radio 1 and um, also was a content editor for a, a PR company, Story Lab in Sligo. So it was a, a, a career that was very interesting and very challenging and very varied. So a storyteller, journalist, your family nicknamed you the detective. <laughs> that's right. My grandmother, I think, because I kept asking question after question after question. Yeah, that's and, right. And what happened in 2018 then to, you know, cause this reflection, mm. thinking about your impact in the world and something really of a calling? What was that? Well, I suppose through my work, um, I had travelled to parts of the world from where I guess a lot of migrants end up uh, leaving, um, especially in sub-Saharan Africa. And I would have uh, worked in refugee camps in northern Africa in the Sahara Desert with Saharawi uh, refugees, uh, covering stories there. I would have travelled across eastern and central Europe in 2015, reporting for Drive Time and um, for the Irish Independent at the time on the migration of um Syrian and Iraqi refugees at the time. So I travelled on foot and I would have covered, you know, direct provision over the years as an issue and uh, was always frustrated by it. What I found was, and maybe it was more to do with the quality of journalist I was, I don't know, but I would put so much work and time into a piece and I would feel, okay, this piece, I've researched it well, I've spoken to people, they've opened up to me and I think I've told that story well. And this piece is going to be the one that makes the difference. But we're in such a ravenous news cycle. Your piece comes and goes and it's yesterday's news very quickly. And I found that very frustrating, I suppose. Now, there are, of course, on this station and, and others, so many great journalists who do such important work um, and do make that impact and worldwide of course as you know better than anybody it, it's it's so important that you have good journalism for me though I felt I needed to do something maybe more sustainable and I needed to connect with the kind of people who might turn the radio over if they hear about migration who feel ah, oh, look that's a that's something that happens in the Mediterranean or what's it to do with me here on my farm in Cork I wanted people to stop and think about it in a different way, Anya. You mentioned the words there, sustainable and impact. And you clearly had these skills as a journalist, the ability to find stories, to tell those stories then in a really meaningful way. You had this expertise and the passion subject area of migration. Mm. So what was the trigger then to take those two things and convert it into an idea and to see it out? Well, I suppose maybe for a while I was struggling to find that thing. Um, 
uh, we've 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 four kids, and I often would say to my wife Catherine, you know, we need to do more to not only for ourselves but for our kids to to open their eyes up to the fact that the world isn't black and white; it's very grey. There's lots of difficult things, and people need to be helped. Um, and and then I was running one day down in Dungarvan in Waterford in a John Tracy ten mile race, and. Um, you know, listeners at home won't be aware, but I'm not the shape of a runner as such. I'm more of a pear. Anyway, um, I always say I have to work hard to keep this shape, you know, to entice other people like me to the sanctuary runners. Um, no, but anyway, I was running and I thought, I looked around me and I thought, my God, this is it, isn't it? Using running, because running is such a simple thing. Like, uh, no matter where you come from in the world, your style of running is generally the same. All you need are your pair of runners. We live in a beautiful country. Um, and now it's very sexy, you know, running in general and everybody's running. So I thought, OK, if how could I use running to get Irish people, to enable Irish people? When I say Irish, I mean, you know, people living in Ireland from all over, just not in direct provision, I guess. How could I get those people and people living in direct provision connected? How could I find that bridge? And running seemed to be a very easy way to do it. And, and it's worked very well since. And in finding that bridge at the time, what were the worries, challenges, calculated risks that you had to think about and work through? I suppose I needed to make the connection with the guys in direct provision at a level where I hadn't before. And I'm using terms that drive myself mad half the time, like there's one homogenous group. You know, the, the population of people who at any one time would have this temporary legal status of asylum seeker or refugee, um, obviously come from all different types of backgrounds. So just like all of, you know, everybody in, in the world, what works for one person or group won't necessarily work for another. So you have to tailor your messaging. It was a challenge um, at the very start, but very quickly because of the simplicity of the message. We were basically saying we're all going to come together wearing the same blue running top. We're going to run at this time. If you're ready, come with us. You know, it was simple. It, it wasn't um, a charitable thing as such. It was more about respecting the person. I always find that pity is a fairly useless uh, ingredient on, in a long term way. If you're trying to help somebody, you need to see the, the person as an equal. You need to get rid of those labels, you know, asylum seeker, refugee, citizen, resident. You need to see the person as a person. And so I think people warm to that very quickly. And so whatever challenges were there were quickly overcome. I needed some hook on you at the start. So I thought, OK, let me see. Let me see. Cork City Marathon was coming up. I lived down in Cork. So I contacted the organisers there who happened to be uh, Cork City Council. And they loved the idea because they could see that it was a way of empowering the host community, let's let's call them that, to actually do something to show solidarity, friendship and respect with the people behind the gates. So I had the, the, the backing of Cork City Council, I had the race and I had the people. And very quickly, people started supporting me and off it went. And that's great to hear because something we talked a lot about in Reignite 2 was how do you test an idea quickly, maybe locally in one quick way and yeah. have those quick wins validated and off you go. For you personally, though, when you think about challenges, great to have those transferable skills, that sense of mission and purpose. But what were some of the things that you personally had to think about going from a world of journalism and storytelling into a world of social innovation, activism and all the risks and insecurities that come with it is me. This is my vision <laughs> and, and purpose and yeah. putting it out into the world. 
Well, I suppose the thing that would always drive me more than anything else is is the belief that what I'm doing is the right thing to do and that I can do it and that I will make it work and that I will make it grow and that I will make it expand and that I will take the help of people much more qualified in me than me in areas where I don't have that uh, qualification. It's what I found, you know, we, it's, it's all volunteers in the Sanctuary Runners and uh, the, the, the people who've supported me have been amazing. I suppose one of the things I had to do was go from behind the, 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 uh, the microphone to in front of it like this. And I had to say, you know, as a journalist, when I look back, I kind of sometimes I scratch my head and I think, oh, why did I cover this particular issue in that way? You know, you're learning all the time. Um, and so I had to find a way of being a storyteller almost of a different kind or getting the stories out there in a different way using the the attributes that I amassed over my career, I suppose. But yeah, you end up sitting down having conversations with um, potential funders and local authorities and sporting groups and migrant groups in a way that you wouldn't have previously. I love the fact that the people working in the Sanctuary Runners um, are not necessarily people with bags of experience in this area. I think that's part of why it works. Because at the end of the day, you don't need to be an expert in migration or trauma studies. You just need to be a decent human being who isn't afraid to do a bit of work and to listen um, and to stay dedicated to something. And in those moments of stepping in front of the microphone, maybe pitching Cork City Council, pitching investors, pitching European Commission, do you ever have those moments of your inner critic is nagging at you? And, and what does your inner critic sometimes say to you? And what you then say to your more inner, no, trust myself. What's that conversation like sometimes in your own mind? I, I actually, and I'm being honest now, I, I don't. I don't doubt what I'm doing. I, I have such belief in it. I think it's almost the only way sometimes. And this... You know, you, you can't be naive either. I mean, if you're getting something wrong, I have plenty of people on you that will tell me if I'm if I'm going wrong. And I say to everybody, lads, if you're not comfortable with this now, tell me or am I getting it wrong? What do you think? I'm always looking for feedback as I go. But in terms of doubting what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and how it's being done, I honestly... Uh, I, I think it's so far so good. You know, it's it's really working. The likes of the UNHCR, for example, um, are, are, are very supportive and, and uh, excited about working with us. We did a thing for World Refugee Day this, this year where we had 40 Irish sports people, most prominent sports people, uh, wearing a top with the UNHCR and sanctuary runners. So you've got this collaboration that's really working as well. Um, I probably should be more critical of myself, shouldn't I? But but it's working. It's working. And I don't have time for that kind of overanalysis, perhaps. I, I'm so focused on moving forward all the time. And you're at a moment now of transition. You've had the learnings here in Ireland ready to scale. How do you know when it is the time to push it, go beyond your own, maybe familiar zone, sure. but also push the organisation more globally and, and take even more risks? Well, I guess the complication is COVID-19. By the nature of what we do, we have to be quite careful in terms of people coming together and all of that, especially in an Irish context, because the guys in direct provision are in a congregated setting. So there's lots of things that we have to do, but it doesn't mean we can't keep growing and expanding. We took a lot of what we did online. The Olympic rower Claire Lamb um, set up um, an initiative called Sanctuary Strength, which enabled us all to stay connected and fit and healthy during lockdown. And we're going to look to broaden that. We've been very lucky with the media coverage that we've got in terms of things like The Guardian in the UK um, and also Runners World magazine, the biggest running uh, magazine in the world. 
And then from that, we got a lot of people coming back to us in, in places like Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, San Diego, San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, London, Glasgow, all over the UK and in Europe saying we'd like to start this. Now, the thing is the timing, like you said, you don't want to jump too soon. I want to make sure everybody understands what it is and what it's not. And that will take a little bit of time. But we'll get there. I'm, 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 I want to grow it more in Ireland and um, at the same time look at how we're going to do it abroad. But I would hope that over the next 12 months we'd be able to see those groups starting in other parts of the world. And out of this idea that started in Cork, now a global movement uh, with a lot of interest, has come another side project. Uh, talk to me about the COVID-19 World Service. Well, alongside the Sanctuary Runners, uh, we got support from a philanthropic trust in in North Cork and they also asked me to look at something I was very interested which was in which was the issue of community integration in towns and communities across the country so I took a few towns and kind of really looked at them places like Care in Tipperary where 33% of the population would be non-Irish um, including a lot of migrant workers Fermoy where I live 23% of the population would be non-Irish and you would have about 60 nationalities working and living in the town and so I was looking at ways of coming up with uh, a way to untap that wonderful diversity to harness it for the benefit of all from your small business person in the town to your drama group your GAA club everything um, and so uh, from that, I would have set up the, the likes of the Fermoy International Choir. So choir, again, we've about 32 nationalities. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, and they'll want me to give them a big shout out to they on you. Um, but then my wife is a GP as uh, the COVID-19 crisis kind of developed in Ireland. I looked around and I didn't see, in my view, sufficient um, public health information for people for whom English is not their first language. You know, there's over 200 nationalities in Ireland. Um, 550,000 people would have been born overseas and live here. From the last census, almost 90,000 people would have said they speak English not at all or, or have a very low level of English. So where's the messaging for them? Also, a lot of people, even those who speak English, will get their news sources from their home countries um, and not from RTE or the Irish Times or whatever. So it's so important for all of us, of course, that everybody's getting that right information. So the COVID-19 World Service was developed. We work with doctors and nurses who come from other countries originally. Um, they present scripted videos about three minutes long on COVID-19. We update them each time. There is a change to restrictions. They're shared by WhatsApp, so they can be shared very quickly. And it's also about, the, there is other messaging out there, but it's not as clear in the sense that communication is about 50% verbal and then 50% body language and things like that. So by having a native speaker, a trusted source, as in a doctor, from your own country telling you about this, you're much more likely to listen and engage. And so it's been going very well. We're doing videos now for uh, parents of children from multicultural backgrounds going back to school as well. Um, and also we'll be doing videos for parents about the flu vaccination as well. So, yeah, it, it's an idea that the HSC are very interested in. And we just hope, I guess, that we can get the resources to, to grow it because it's something that really could have a much wider impact long term. That's really important work. Graham Clifford of Sanctuary Runners and the COVID-19 World Service. Thank you.